Hello everybody! Welcome back to another episode of the Angry Environmentalists. This is episode 5 and what I'm going to be talking about is environmental advocacy and also what I've done in terms of environmental advocacy and how I went at my university in a way. Um, it's, it's really complicated and a little bit of the backstory is that they tried to take away the farm at which I worked at and which was pretty much the only space environmental people and students had at this university. I'm not going to use the name. You can probably figure it out, but I'm not going to use the name because don't get me wrong. I love my college. I just don't like the administration. And I think that's a lot of people. And that's a lot of the time what happens in environmental work is we love the people doing the work, but the people on top, like presidents and state officials and all of this stuff are the ones who are in control who aren't doing anything. But I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to get into what happened and how I used my voice and my advocacy to try and change the behavior of, of people and the way people think about the environment. So if we're going to look at what environmental advocacy is, first we have to look at what advocacy in general is. And what I get from advocacy, what I understand about that concept is that it's you have this thing that you're passionate about. I believe it starts from passion. I believe you need to have a reason and a motive to be able to be a good advocate. You know, you're, you're your best advocate. You're the best advocate you can be when you're passionate about something because it's driving you. Um, so obviously I'm, I'm passionate about the environment. So this advocacy work that I do is pretty easy for me because not easy, but it, it comes naturally because I want to do it and I want to actually make change. So it drives me to push harder, work harder, find more resources, reach out to people, and it becomes fun, even though sometimes it's the result is not what we want. Um, so advocacy, I believe, like I said, starts with a passion and it's, it's a lot of things. It's very intersectional where it can be one, all the topics are different. It can be anything you're passionate about, you know, like, oh, I don't, I don't like how this skincare company is treating animals. So I'm going to protest or I'm going to get a group of people together to write letters. I'm going to educate the public. I'm going to reach out to news outlets. I'm going to reach out to the company itself. You know, so it's multifaceted. It, it can be a lot of different things. So that's just my own personal definition. Advocacy can be different for everybody. And if you have a different depiction in your brain of what advocacy is, go ahead. That is your right. You, you can, you know, mesh anything to be what you believe in. So if you think advocacy is social media or using your voice or all this stuff, um, have it be your own own thing. I want to talk about how different types of advocacy, like, like I just mentioned, social media, how in today's world they can come off to people. So I, want, I do want to talk about that. I'm not going to be like, oh, social media is so bad, blah, 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 because I think social media can be a good tool. But it's how social media and all of these things um, can come off to people and how much of an impact we can make off certain types of advocacy. 
So I'll get into that. But first, I really wanted to talk about my experience with this this university, per se. Um, so what happened? I remember last year during the pandemic, um, I got a text or an email from my boss saying that they were going to be shutting down the, our, our farm in two weeks. This obviously freaked me out and put me into panic mode because I had been working there for four years. I had known the animals. I had great relationships with my bosses and my coworkers. And now all of a sudden, it's going to be taken away? You know, like that's, that's crazy. Why? What's the reason? Nobody gave us reasons. They just said the farm will be gone in two weeks. All the animals and your jobs. So, like, obviously, I was freaked out, annoyed, angry, sad, you know, a lot of different emotions. And let me clarify that this farm was on the campus. So, it was a part of the the school, and the school was funding it. So, first, I'm like, why would they do this to us? Where Where is this money going to be going? All this stuff. I had all these questions. Because a lot of the time when I get angry or upset about something, especially when it has to deal with the environment or something I'm passionate about, i.e. the environment, but um, I go right into, let's, let's fix this. Let's have a solution. I don't want to complain and yell and scream. I want to go in ready. Ready to fight. Ready to fi- not physically fight. Ready to put up a fight. As in, if they're going to try to say we're going to get rid of the farm, no, you're not. And here's why. Here's what I learned. Here's how we can make it more profitable or all this stuff. So the farm also is just a for fun farm. It wasn't agriculture. It wasn't um, food and all that stuff. No. Oh my gosh. I would never let my animals get hurt or eaten or any of this stuff. They were solely there for like emotional and mental support of students, for volunteer opportunities, for on-campus jobs for environmental students. So the animals were just being taken care of, fed, um, people could come visit. We also had a falconer who would do falconry demonstrations and all this cool, really cool stuff. So it was a visual education, not like poking and prodding the animals, because I would never allow that. I am a vegetarian who also doesn't, I'm not vegan like 100%, but I know, I'm so sad about that, but I don't drink milk, I limit my cheese intake only, I don't put cheese on things, if cheese is already on something, I'll eat it. Um, You know, stuff like that, I don't eat yogurt, I eat soy yogurt, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody by saying I'm a vegetarian, I'm just saying my diet. So obviously I would not work at a place that's going to hurt my animals. So this place was really just for the love of animals and of animal caretaking and learning how to do that. For me, it's a great opportunity that a lot of other schools and students don't have because I wanted to go into animal caretaking and so many people, that's such a hard field to get into sometimes because you have to get that entry-level job. And that can be really hard because a lot of places look for um, already experienced people because they, they don't have the manpower to train. Or they just, you know, want someone who's experienced to be able to take care of their animals. So a great, like, 
a great thing to have on campus. And the school was just, well, the school did just get rid of it. But not without a fight. I put up a huge fight with some of my other coworkers. So some examples of that, as soon as it happened, I reached out to all my, my, my coworkers and I said, let's get into a group chat. Who, who is down to fight this and to figure out what's going on for real? What's, what's actually going on and not them just saying, oh, we're just getting rid of the farm. So we did some digging. It took late nights. When I tell you I didn't sleep for like, well, I slept, but I didn't really sleep for like a week. I was sleeping maybe two, three hours on average a night because I was constantly having these ideas and these epiphanies that, oh my gosh, I need to do this. Oh, or what about this? Did we look at this yet? So we went right into it. I started a petition on change.org. I started to, you know, try to piece together what was what was happening. So me and my coworkers, we all were crazy doing this. I probably was the craziest because I am just crazy. But I I started doing all of that and we started emailing people and I started emailing news outlets and I reached out to the school for for comment nothing we were coming up dry the school was blatantly ignoring us um, they were also going through a change of uh, Dean and they were kind of throwing this Dean under the bus even though she wasn't here for this decision so that was already messed up as is but when I reached out, nothing. They were just telling me, oh, it's a financial decision because of COVID. But, okay, valid at the beginning. But the farm, when I did all of the financial assessments and reached out to the chief financial officer of the university, they told me that they didn't think the farm was costing that much money. So I was really confused at this point. So you're telling me that it's not costing that much money Yet, why are we getting rid of it as the first thing? There were so many other programs and things that they could have... I'm not saying they could have got rid of other things. Just looking at where they allocate money and trying to do it better. So if I could figure that out and the people working there, like the head officials, couldn't, I don't know. That That's scary to me. And I did not have my bachelor's at this point. I was a senior. So crazy. Whatever. I guess I should just have that job, but whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that, but why? Why is the question we need answered? And I think that is a big question that's always ad asked in advocacy. Why? It's who, what, when, where, why, but why for me seems like the biggest. What's the reason behind it? Why? So... We continue to dig, and now the university is ignoring me. I was calling the dean and setting up meetings with the president, and I was being ignored. They weren't answering my phone calls. They stopped answering my emails, and I was being very polite. For someone who's crazy like me, I was being very polite because I know that when you want something, you can't go in yelling and screaming because nobody will listen to you. That's another thing about advocacy. Here's a good point. Don't go in yelling and screaming. Because they won't listen. I've tried for many different things. So go in professional, educated with the topic you're going to be bringing up and know your stuff. Know what they're going to ask. Be ready for that rebuttal. So we did. We were prepared. We had a whole presentation when they told us finally, you're going to meet with the president. Okay, awesome. 
we put together a whole presentation. We worked late nights. Mind you, school started now. So we're doing this while juggling school, our, like, our social lives, all this stuff. And then, so now what happened was they stopped listening to us. They told us nothing. They didn't tell us why. So I and my other, my coworkers went to news outlets. We got featured on NBC News. We got featured in our local magazines, a bunch of local magazines. We were on blogs. We were on everything. I still have the news articles because I'm so proud. We literally got to speak on NBC News. And our title was Save the Farm or Save the Animals. And to see our faces and my interview on that, on that news channel was ridiculous. It was the best feeling in the world. And it's funny because the school wouldn't make comment to us, but they made comment to the news. They told the news that they were creating a, they weren't getting rid of the farm, really. They were just getting rid of the animals and making it better for environmental students by creating a living laboratory with plants. First, let me just tell you, it's been over a year now, and that has not happened. It's a barren barn. They lied. We knew they lied. Because if you're really going to get rid of the farm because of money, which what they which was what they said originally, now you're creating a living laboratory? What does that even mean? It meant nothing. It meant let's have an excuse for the news to look good. That's what they did. That's what they did. And that's most of the time what happens in advocacy as well, is when you go and say something, they're going to cover their their blank. <laughs> they're going to cover their blank and they're going to try to manipulate the situation to make them look like the people who have been harmed. Like, oh, we lost money, but we're still trying for our students. No, you're not. Bullshit. So that's how that went. We had a meeting with the president and the provost, and the provost, may I say, was extremely rude. The president of the university was looking at his phone half the time, and they cut us off early. We spent hours, days, nights on that proposal. We came up with an entire proposal to move funding, to make the farm a place where they can make money by allowing, by making people on the outside community have little like programs. They have them come in and pay $5 for, you know, a walk through, a tour of the nature center, or have them be able to help take care of the nature center for the day, or do little camps with kids, which we had done previously, years, years prior. So we had all these proposals. We proposed that the student workers, myself and my other workers, would be volunteer positions and that we would have donors fund the $4,200 that we estimated it to be to take care of the animals for a year. We found all of that out. We dug so deep. We created a veterinary tech program. We literally created a program to bring to the school so they didn't have to do it to keep these animals. So we went in deep. We knew our stuff. We practiced this presentation. We had it down pat. And we weren't even allowed to finish because the provost said she was busy. Oh, you're busy? So are we with our education, with trying to save our jobs. 
but oh my gosh see I'm getting heated all over again like I'm getting like hot right now I'm like, I'm like why is the farm gone so eventually after our two three three month long fight to save the farm getting over 2,500 signatures we raised $4,200 which would be the estimated cost for a year of the farm um we did all of that and after all of that, after we literally were going to give the school everything we had, they still decided to take away the farm. And I think the funniest part is, um, I, this is just my little conspiracy theory, this was during COVID, and I had been extremely COVID safe. And it's funny because they quarantined my entire dorm for two weeks. Just me. I was the only one out of my coworkers in that dorm. I was the ringleader of this um, advocacy project for the farm we were scheduling a protest and it's interesting that while that was happening and while they planned to take away the animals and they knew that we were going to do a standing protest that they quarantined my building so I wasn't allowed to go to the protest I wasn't allowed to be there when they take when they took away the animals isn't that interesting okay that's just my my little conspiracy theory that they purposely quarantined me in my building while they planned because they didn't have a plan of when they were going to get rid of the animals but they planned it a day after I went under quarantine so and I was not exposed to anybody and I knew I wasn't exposed to anybody because I lived in a single and none of my friends had COVID so conspiracy I think not fact yes so that's just a little bit about my advocacy. I've obviously done smaller projects like that, um, trying to advocate and stuff via social media. So now let's talk about social media advocacy. So many times we're scrolling on social media and we see people's stories and they're like, save the environment, use less fossil fuels, blah, 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 blah. I love that. I love seeing other people support it. But are we turning our posts into action? And what I mean by that is, is there a way we can create donations or is there a way we're saying, okay, come to this event where we'll tackle some issues of climate change or we'll get together and start creating policy to go to our local legislator and, you know, advocate for. Are we doing things like that or is it just a post one and done? And if it's just a post one and done, let's look let's reflect and think about how we're really helping. So how many times do you post something and you get swiped up on and people are like, if you're talking about the environment, people swipe up and say, oh, you're right, I never thought about it like that. You know, not that often. And I'm sure we do, but not that often. So are we looking at really the big picture here? Are we kind of just looking at the people who already know what what's going on, you know? So it's about reaching a diverse audience and audiences who might not agree or know. So it's educating, it's advocacy. You know, I think education is advocacy and advocacy is education. I think it's it goes both ways. So we want to be able to make people understand where we're coming from. So if we're just on social media saying, you need to care about the environment, this is why, and you have somebody who doesn't care already, most likely... They're not going to have this epiphany that they care. You know, you have, to, you have to have this dialogue and this conversation with them. And I'm not saying you should go onto their 
their direct messages and attack them, you know? No, I'm not saying that at all. But it's so much easier to do that kind of stuff in person. So use social media as a tool to help people understand what we're saying, but not as our only form of advocacy. Because if that's the only form, we're not really going to get far. But I like to use social media as, you know, if I see a climate march or I see, you know, calling... Like a lot of times people will put these little blurbs out and it'll be like, if you call, an example is when Idaho was doing the wolf hunt, if you call this number, it'll bring you to the senator's office and you can leave this voice message saying you are in support of protecting wolves. So things like that. If we're posting things like that, we're posting things of where you can donate and we're posting little like tips, like little sustainability tips. Those are the best things you can do. But if you're just posting you don't care about the environment, blah, 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 you're not going to change people's minds. But if you make little easy things that people can do or people can apply to their daily lives or make it really quick, like a little phone call, people are more more willing to do that, you know? And that's, that's me too. I don't want to have to do all these big things right now. Sometimes I just want the little pictures. Sometimes I just want, okay, oh, I didn't think about that. You can compost in your house, you know, or things like that. Little things like that that will add up and eventually make a difference. And if it's something that's big, like we're, okay, going at big oil companies, well, what is a way we can make big change? Because if I'm calling by myself and saying, you need to care about what I'm saying, obviously they don't care what one person has to say. But getting a big group together, like maybe starting a Facebook group or an Instagram page, or if there's an already if there's an Instagram page or a Facebook group out there, helping to advertise it for that group. You know, reaching out and saying, hey, do you mind if I put these posts on, like repost them? Or just going ahead and putting them on your story if they're public. So things like that are how we can make a difference through social media. And there are so many ways to be an advocate that it's like, you know, there's social media, there's marching, there's you know, calling senators, there's creating your own policy. There's so many things that we can do. And if I could go through all of them and give you a detailed step-by-step, we'd be here forever. We'd have a a 30,000-year-long podcast. I'm obviously exaggerating, but it would be very long. Um, So my biggest tips are for people who want to get into advocacy are – to find a group on social media, use that social media tool, reach, if they're local, reach out to them, see what you can do as an environmental group, see what you can do or they need help with that are like volunteer or if you're looking for a paid position, I'm sure a lot of places will have that. But if you want to just do volunteer stuff, sometimes there's like the phone banking, there's all these different things that you can do. So reach out, look at what they have. And just help like that. But if you want to make, do your own kind of thing and create legislation and stuff, find an advocacy group, you know, find like there's, what is it called? Greenpeace, Earthwatch, I think it's called. Um, There's a bunch of cool organizations out there. So reach out to those and see the opportunities they have. Um, For youth, I know there's a bunch of youth climate change groups out there um, that are doing advocacy and are doing amazing work. So don't think it's because based on age that you can't do something. You can do something at any age. Obviously, something might, you know, you might not be able to go to 
if you live in New York, go to Albany and, you know, advocate by yourself at 12, but you can, you know, be at, be active in other ways, like, like you just said, the youth groups that need help. So there's so many ways that we can all be a part of this. And that's the biggest point, too, is we need everybody. Don't think you, you, you won't be able to be heard. We want, I, I know for myself and for so many other environmental groups, hearing from everybody is how we can create policy to help everybody and to benefit everybody. Advocating just for, you know, people who live in New York. How are we going to help the people in California? Because we all live in the same earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe we have to do a state policy, obviously. But, you know, think about the advantages to, per se, electric vehicles and banning fossil fuel-powered cars. Yeah, that's a New York thing. But you're going to be benefiting people all over the world through that, through limiting the carbon footprint. Um, so, so things like that. Think about how we can help everybody to make the best environment we can and help fix this climate crisis because we're all living here so we need to hear from everybody no matter where you're from where you live your gender your race your sexual orientation you all are important to this conversation because you all bring something different we all bring something so unique and amazing to this conversation and we all have our own experiences and experiences different experiences are what brings you know the most change because I obviously haven't experienced you know the worst fires or the wildfires because I live in New York but there's people in California who are in all over the world who are experiencing these wildfires but how can I speak on that when there's people who are experiencing it right now so we need to make sure that we're hearing from everybody and that everybody who wants to speak gets to speak. So that's kind of wrapping it up on this week's episode of advocacy and my own experiences with it. I hope we all enjoyed this episode. Um, I enjoyed making this one because I'm really passionate, obviously, about the environment, but I'm super passionate about getting other people involved and passionate about the same things I am. So again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Angry Environmentalist. I hope to have you back for next week's episode. Um, Thank you again and stay angry and create change.